Welcome to Pivotal. I'm Hayat Gallo, Corporate Vice President for Commercial Solutionarias at Microsoft. I work with customers around the globe to transform their business through technology. At the center of every transformation are people who give technology its purpose. And that doesn't change with the advent of AI. It's actually being accelerated. People spark visionary ideas for leveraging technology. The release of AI technology like ChatGPT this year is exciting, but it has led to big questions as we grapple with the best way to harness those tools to enhance and support the people behind the work. We like to talk about technology. I love to talk about it. But we often forget that technology is most effective when it supports people with purpose. This season will demystify AI by talking to the innovators using new AI technology to uplift their industries and augment their people, from education to journalism to surfing. And it just illustrates what AI is about. Everybody thinks it's about tech. No, everybody's using AI. And that's what we're going to show you on this season. Today in this series, we have one of our customers joining us, CarMax. They've had a very extensive experience with data and AI. So I thought it would be great to talk to Shamim Mohammed, who is the Executive Vice President and Chief Information and Technology Officer at CarMax. He's driven a fantastic transformation in this company. And I think we will all benefit from his lessons and learnings uh, as we have a conversation today. Shamim, welcome. Hello, Hyatt. Nice to meet you. So Shamim, you've been at CarMax for 11 years. And before that, you were at BJ's Wholesale. Uh, you're not a stranger to digital transformation and using technology to drive business outcome. So I'd love to hear more about your journey. How did you end up at CarMax? Yeah, absolutely, uh, Hyatt. So I've been in the technology innovation uh, space for almost 30, 35 years. And I always found myself at the intersection of technology and business. And it goes back all the way to even my college days. You know, my education was computer science and accounting. And uh, over the years, I always was fascinated by what technology can do. More importantly, what business problem technology can solve. So that's what I've been doing. I've worked for both large Fortune 500 companies and also a couple of startups. And before coming to CarMax, I have, my most of my uh, experience have been in retail, driving customer experience, driving, you know, a lot of data analytics kind of experience. And at CarMax today, I run all of technology so I, I play the role of the CIO, which is running the technology space. And I'm also play the role of the CTO, which is driving product innovation, customer experience, and the business transformation. So how did your interest in AI start? The AI interest has been here for a long time. I remember going back to even the college days, you know, 30 some years ago, we were discussing what artificial intelligence could look like. What's really fascinating is after you know, 30 years, it is like becoming reality. So, so it, it just has become this critical mass and the technology has evolved to a point where we're actually seeing what we had envisioned or thought about or dreamed of 30 some years ago. So I've been fascinated in this space for a long time, but my 
passion for AI really is built on data. So if you look at some of my career, even before CarMax or even before that, I spent a lot of time with data and the power of data, power of analytics, power of helping companies drive business transformation, driving great customer experience, driving great associate experience using data. So, so that's what I've been focusing on. But now we have this technology available, just like OpenAI and ChatGPT. Just so much happening in the last couple of years. I think we're just seeing a tremendous evolution and benefit of AI. So I've been fascinated by AI pretty much most of my life. So I know you've been on this AI journey for a while, and you're actually already in action at CarMax. Can you tell us more about what you're doing at CarMax and how you're leveraging AI? Yeah, hi at, at CarMax, you know, one thing we have, and we believe one of our biggest assets, besides having a great culture and great people, is our data. So we always had great data. So what we've done is over the past few years, we put a strong data governance model and team so that we can clean up our data, organize our data, and, and, and have right technology to leverage this data. Mm-hmm. So we have built the talent base around data science and machine learning. And by you know, those, the team really have been focusing on how do we optimize and leverage this data to create great experience, continue to drive customer you know, competitive differentiation, and also make our lives of our associates better. So if I look at the uses of AI and machine learning and data within our environment, there are like three uh, examples I can share with you. One is the digital merchandising. So a customer looking for a buy, buying a car or shopping for a car, we're using machine learning algorithms to help that process go better and provide a great quality, actual picture of the car that he or she might be buying. So that's a space we have tremendous progress. We also have some patented technology that our data scientists and machine learning experts built to optimize that process. So that was a huge advantage there for for CarMax. The other area is customer shopping. You know, we built a recommendation engine where we can understand what the customer is trying to do and then help them with the shopping process. Uh, At any given moment on our website, we could have tens of thousands of cars. And if somebody is looking for a car, that buying process could be overwhelming. So we're using AI to optimize that experience and make that process much easier for our customers. And the last example is really around what, where we're using GNAI, the power of GNAI, partnering with you know, OpenAI and ChatGPT to organize massive, massive amount of data in a way that's easier for our customers to evaluate and look at. So it's doing two things for us. One is helping our customers look at the current information in a much more friendly and easy to digestible way. The other thing it's doing is helping us from a search engine ranking. So because our data is organized in a great way and it's published in the right way, it's helping when look, customers are looking for and searching for cars in the internet, we get listed in a prefer- preferential way. So that's been a great uh, ad, you know, uh, benefit for the company. So those are three kind of use cases I shared with you. But our teams are using... AI and machine learning across the company for various things just to make sure we continue to drive innovation and continue to remain and and, and stay as a market leader in our space. So when you you think about Gen AI, a lot of the customers right now are asking, how do I get started? How do I prioritize scenarios? So how did you go about it with your team? 
it starts with having a good culture. And what I mean by culture is really creating an environment where the employees or associates are empowered to experiment and they're giving the latitude to try different things and learn from it. So that's where it starts. And then I think it's supported then by a strong data foundation because if a company is not good with data, they cannot be good with AI. So those two things I think teams need to really, companies need to pay attention to. Fortunately for CarMax, we've been focusing on those two aspects. And, and then supporting both of those is really having a strong a governance model for AI governance. What we did, Hyatt, is at CarMax, we had uh, a good data governance that we put together a few years ago, and we can evolve that into more of an AI governance. So between the AI governance and the data foundation and the empowered culture, our teams are experimenting different ways to continue to drive business outcome and drive great customer experience. And, and these teams are cross-functional. So that's the beauty because it's not just technology, it's not just marketing, it's not just operation. The teams are organized cross-functionally around a common mission or common business outcome. So when they have, they're clear on their outcome, they are able to use different technologies to figure out how to go about achieving that outcome. So in this particular use case that we talked about OpenAI and ChatGPT, the team had a mission to provide better information to our customers on the website when they're shopping for the car. They also had a mission to improve the search engine ranking. So they found that ChatGPT is a great way to take this massive amount of data that we have and some of the best car data we have and use the chat GPT to organize and structure the data in a way that makes it easier for our customers. So two things struck me, experimentation and governance. I wanna go, I wanna start back to experimentation. So how do you create this environment for experimentation? How do you give technology to, to your teams to go about it and tinker with the technology and look at building MVPs for CarMax. How do you enable that at scale through the company? Yeah, it started out kind of small, right? So several years ago, when I first became the CIO of CarMax, I was fortunate enough to partner with a couple of my colleagues, the COO and CMO. So three of us are kind of joined at the hip and we said, okay, we got to transform our business from being a market leading brick and mortar company to a more of a digital company. And we knew for that transformation, we had to get our teams organized in a different way. And they had to really work towards a common mission, common goal. And they had to really move really fast using, you know, testing different technologies. So we started small with a handful of teams. And today, majority of the work we do at CarMax are done through those teams. And those team number have grown significantly. We have upwards of 50, 60 teams now working cross-functionally on all these different types of experimentation and driving innovation for the company. So that's really where it started, but we didn't have to go all in day one. We started small, shown the results, and continue to build on that over the last few years. And now the beauty is we know this model works and we are able to operate that way, although we are a big, large company. And I think what really helps me personally is that I have worked in a startup environment many years ago. So by this, this, the way we work today as teams, 
the, the startup culture is really what we have. So these teams are somewhat empowered, they're small, they're cross-functional, but they're mission-driven. So what it allows them to do is really try, they, they take shared accountability to drive results. And I think that's the beauty of this. So I think every company can do this. It's never an easy transition, but if you start small, allow the team to really learn how to do this and get better at it, then you can scale from there. And so as people are experimenting, you must have a lot of projects coming through. So I, I want to come back to the governance. How do you govern? How do you prioritize? How do you say we're going to go for this one or not this one? Because I think everybody right now is trying to understand how they go about this. Yeah, I think it starts with being very clear in terms of overall mission for the organization, right? The highest level, what you're trying to achieve, what are the goals you're going after? And the way we organize this is our, we call it product teams, right? These cross-functional teams are product teams. And they have obviously annual objectives, but they really look at the quarterly OKRs, objectives and key results. Mm -hmm. And then they break it down to like bi-weekly sprints. So we get to see what these teams are working on, what experimentation they have ran, what they learned from this experimentation, and how they're going to be adopting the next level of experimentation. So if you look at this, these teams, they present in product showcase every couple of weeks. So from a governance perspective, the senior levels of the organization, we're able to actually go and watch these teams present in a very short, like 10 minutes presentation of what they've been working on. So which really helps us, as helps me as a leader of the organization, of the company, to what my teams are focusing on, also allows me to adjust anything we need to adjust it. But because these teams are so empowered, they have a lot of latitude and they know the guardrails, right? What they can do, it cannot do. So this is where I think the beauty is when you empowered a cross-functional team with a great mission, they will surprise you with amazing results. And we're seeing that every day. So through this governance and how they come, if you see very interesting projects and now you want to move to large scale production, that's where you make those decisions. Is that how it works? I think the teams really, because they experiment and try different things, yeah. and it's naturally they scale. When they, a good idea comes and we believe we see the results and it's driving the desired outcome, they can actually scale it almost like on their own without getting a lot of bureaucracy or a lot of hierarchy. They're very empowered to push those things you know, globally. Like in this example, in the OpenAI, the chat GPT, the customer reviews, and the structured data, I mean, the team did a lot of experiments. They showed results, they learned from it, they optimized it. And then they went, you know, basically the entire company. And that was just natural progression. And that's how the teams work today at Carmax, which is really amazing. I feel like I have this massively large company, but it's still working like a startup. And that's the beauty. That is actually a very interesting approach you guys have adopted. Uh, it's very conducive to uh, creativity and innovation. It's pretty exciting. So if you think about this open AI scenario, Shamim, what has been the business outcome? Like what results have you seen in terms of your customer experience uh, at a high level? I'm not trying to get into your business details, but more on the, what were you looking for in terms of experience you were trying to create and what did you observe? That's a, that's a great question, Hyatt. So we have let's say 50, 60,000 cars on our website at any given moment. And when somebody's looking for a car, they're looking for a lot of good information. Okay, what is a customer review? Uh, is this a good car for weekend you know, adventure? Or is it good for my family? Is it good for my dog? 
So they're looking for those kind of information in a human way. So we have those data. We always have those data. We have, you know, we have the, all the car features and functions and all this thing for every model and make. We have information from a customer. They're telling us what the car is, how they like it or don't like it. So we had all this data. We just didn't know how to present the right way so that it's usable and much more friendly for our customers. We have content writers. They're going through all the customer reviews. They're looking, for all, looking through all the data and then creating some articles and uh, messaging for the customers so they can navigate through those. Problem is with tens of thousands of cars, all this make and model, and all the thousands of customer reviews, it's very hard to look at every situation, every scenario, and make that available on the website. So this is where ChatGPT was incredible. So we took our data, our actual customer review, we took our card data that we have in our various systems, and we used through prompt engineering, we're able to tell ChatGPT, hey, hey, this is what we're looking for, this is the information I'm giving you, now re uh, return it back to me based on these parameters through prompt engineering. So once you got the data back for pretty much most of the cars, then we're able to publish it back on our website. And there's a human involved. It's not just we're getting data back, we're just publishing it. We actually have a human in the loop kind of mindset because you know we will probably talk a little bit about responsible AI because we want to make sure the information that we're sharing meets our internal standard and also accurate. So we have a human involved. So those content writers now reviewing this content before it gets published. So they don't have to create the content, they get the content created, then they review and we publish it. And it has a two big benefit. One, the content would have taken us probably 10, 12 years to develop by many, many content writers. Now we're able to do this in days, maybe hours sometime. So that's a huge benefit. The second thing is allowing our customers to find the information about this large purchase. You know, these cars could be 20, 30, $40,000 purchase. Now they have this meaningful, usable, human-centric information available that they can use to make an informed decision. So that's the second thing. And the third thing is, I think, just from a search engine ranking. Now we have better data about cars compared to most other websites. So when the search engines are looking for good data on a particular subject matter, they're looking at CarMax saying, okay, CarMax actually has better information. So, hey, CarMax should be ranked a little bit higher. So tremendous benefit for the company, the customers, and, and in general, it's been a huge win for our team. So what does it mean for your content writers? It must be super satisfying for them to not, not have to try to catch up with all this information and being able in a position to review content versus having to try to bring all this together. And how does it change their day-to-day? Because -day? they must have more time yeah, so, now. Yeah, they, well, they actually uh, have the same time, but what they're doing is they're using that time on more productive and more value-added task, right? So because the, before they were writing all this, now actually they're reviewing it and they can get to all these cars that they couldn't go before. So it's really a tremendous engagement booster because they feel like they're adding a lot more value in the process and they're able to get to the work that they couldn't get to before. And still the quality is still on par, if not better than before. So it's a win-win for our customers and for our associates. That's awesome to hear. Uh, that's what we want to hear, right, with Gen AI, that it's benefiting the humans as well. So when you rolled out this Gen AI solution, did you face any 
skepticism or pushback from any group in the company? I would not say pushback, but it was like the unknown, right? Mm -hmm. So again, what happens in, in our company right now, because we have all these teams, they're working within a certain guardrails and guidelines, and we have empowered them. So they're experimenting a lot of, with a lot of cool things, cool technologies, such as OpenAI. So, so we're very happy that the, the team really figured out how to use this. And it happened actually before OpenAI became this big popular thing where my team was already doing this. And we're like, hey, this is how we just do stuff anyway. So it didn't, we didn't think it's a big deal, but now it's like, oh, yeah, it was a big deal. It's a little bit ahead of time compared to the rest of the world. But I think, you know, the biggest thing was just education, you know, because this is new, relatively new to broader set of uh, associates. So we spend a lot of time educating people. Like, hey, GNAI has a huge potential. And so we want to embrace it, but do it in a way that is responsible, that is, you know, that keeps us, make sure within the regulatory guidelines and everything else. So we're aware of what some of the downfalls might be. And by being aware of those, we're able to be use it in a productive, safe way. So that's the, so we spend a lot of time in education. I think that's the biggest thing. And, 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 and also it will evolve the AI governance model over the last year or so, because we feel like, again, this is a, moving so fast. We really need to make sure a cross-functional leadership team, starting with me and our general counsel and the executive team, all the way down to the uh, organization, that we have a cross-functional alignment around how to approach this, what are we learning, how do we evolve this. So it's a lot of excitement about GenAI within the company, but it was it started out with, hey, well, something happening there in a couple of product teams. Now it's more of a company-wide uh, visibility and people are excited about it. So I'm with you on there is excitement on the possibilities and there is anxiety and the need to be responsible. And you said you evolve your governance model on AI. Can you share more on what it looks like and what you've made in terms of changes to ensure you are responsible? Yeah, I think the big thing is we wanted to make sure that the way we leverage AI and, and how we use any technology uh, is very much consistent with our core company values and culture, which is transparency and integrity. So that was the other thing, right? And I also want to make sure that we're following all the regulatory guidelines, we're following all the standards, and make sure that we stay current to the regulations that may be coming. Because you know, a lot of, as you know, there's a lot of changes happening right now with the different government agencies and things like that. So there, so we want to make sure we stay true to whatever the guidelines are. But more importantly, you know, the one of the big things we have is a people-centric culture, right? So whatever we do, in some way or shape, we're going to you know help our associates, help our customers, and the communities that we serve. So I want to make sure that the AI stays true to those our core value values and principles. So that's one thing we we put in place. The other thing we did is we we also through education. We're helping our associates, not just technology, not just product, but across the board, help them understand what they can and should do or should not do. Uh, we didn't lock it down. A lot of companies I've, I've seen that they shut down, like, hey, cannot go access it, right? We actually allow our associates to go experiment and try, but we also, at the same time, tell them what they should be doing and not should be doing. We also created some clear line of accountability in terms of, you know, AI center of excellence, and who are the team members there at different levels, not just at the executive level or the engineering level. So having that level of company-wide energy and focus and cross-functional nature of this, I think is really what has happened and how we have evolved over the course of the last year. 
That's actually very interesting, this AI center of excellence. Can you share more about this and different levels being in the center of excellence? How does that work, the center of excellence? Yeah, so at the highest level, it's part of the AI governance. And the AI governance is where I'm involved and the C-level executives. And the next level, we have some of the VPs involved, including our CISO. We, we have our you know, chief digital data officer there. We have our head of you know, data engineering is there. So we have that group next level below us. And then next level, we have actually one of the VPs as a responsible single point of contact for all things related to AI, because he's also like you know, sort of the program owner. And then below that, we have cross-functional team from different business unit. So legal, operations, finance, marketing. So it is, I believe this has a, such a profound and cross-functional impact and possibility. We need to have it, we need to approach it that way. And that's really how it works. That's exciting. I learned something. It's, it's actually quite similar to some of the approach we have at Microsoft with our cross-functional approach and how we've embedded that in our entire development cycles from the beginning on the idea to developing a product. Very cool to see. Now, I want to come back to something you said earlier around one of the key things that really played well for you guys is how you got your data ready, your data in order very early. What does that look like to get your data in order? Because we all say AI yeah, is as good as your data. So I'd love to, to hear more from you. Yeah, the data is the foundation that fits into AI models, right? So if we don't have good data, you're not going to have good AI. So that's just a very fundamental. For us, you know, we knew we had tremendous data assets from the beginning. We have absolutely the best use card data probably on the planet. So we want to make sure that those data are organized. We have we trust the quality. We trust that we make it available. It's scalable. It's updated. It's refreshed. So one of the things we did early on, probably four or five years ago, maybe longer than that, we put that this data governance team in place. So we have the data stewardship. Again, we we take the way we do things at CarMax has, you know, usually it's mostly cross-functional. So even the data governance was very much of a cross-functional effort. And by doing that, we really, you know, organize our data for customers, our, you know, car, cars, and any, any relevant data subject matter, we organize them and then we made it available through some of the, I would say Microsoft technologies in the cloud. And, and, and that gave us the scale. Also, it allowed us to monitor the quality of the data. And again, it's tying back into our standards and our privacy and you know, security aspect of it. So all those things we took into account to make sure the data is usable and available and organized. So that's really what happened. And so by doing that, we're very well positioned for taking advantage of what's happening in AI. You've had a lot of experience with data and AI. What are the lessons learned maybe that you've had? And you would say, you know, looking back, here are the things that we do differently or some lessons learned you had that you want to share with this. Well, I think worked well is where we have a cross-functional alignment. You know, this is where a CIO or CTO or CMO or CEO, nobody can do this alone, right? So it makes sure there is a strong alignment and, and engagement from cross-functional team. So that's the number one thing. And, and that's something, you know, we did very well early on. The other thing I would say is the, this whole experimentation. Empower your team to experiment. Give them guardrails, give them the tools, give them the access. Don't lock it down. Because if you lock it down, 
you're not going to get the benefit. So it's really create that culture, empower your team, make them feel safe to try different things as long as they stay within the boundaries or guidelines you put out there. And the third thing I would say is the talent. And that's something I think we had to evolve. This is changing so fast. You know, data scientists, the AI, you know, engineers, those are, that's a new skill set that's evolving and a lot of demand. So, you know, two things you can do. One, obviously you can go hire some of them externally, but the other option is just grow. Find your best data scientists, data engineers, train them, invest in them so they can become good AI engineer. Because the prompt engineering and how to leverage AI, stay current, I mean, those, that's a little bit different than traditional AI, traditional machine modeling. So that's an area I think we learned and we are actually done taking some steps to build that talent internally. Those are three areas I would, you know, I would look for and my lessons learned. That's, that's actually a fantastic summary. I love the concept of thinking about the talent and the evolution of talent and reskilling folks so that they can take advantage of AI, right? Because generative mm -hmm. AI is a bit different than what you, we've Absolutely. thought about machine learning. So now Absolutely. when you look ahead, Shamim, you've been in AI for a long time, right? What gets you excited as you look ahead? What's coming that you're like, ah, yesterday there's some big announcement as an example. What gets you excited? Well, Hyatt, I think I'm like pumped in terms of the possibilities of AI. It feels like a dream is coming true. This is something I had dreamed of 30 years ago and now I'm like, okay, it's happening. I think what I'm, I'm most excited is really that it is going to unlock the human potential in a way that we have never seen before. We are going to be able to do things that we didn't think was going to be even possible. Even simplest thing, the example we have for OpenAI that I share with you, that's a simple, easy example, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. Every role in every company and every job in some way or shape will be impacted by AI, Gen AI somehow. So I think it is going to make us smarter because it's not like AI is going to replace us, but it's going to make us smarter. It's going to free up our time by doing things that we did not do, don't need to do. And the time that's freed up, which is the most valuable commodity we have, mm -hmm. is the incredibly valuable. And with the time, I'm just excited. What else can we do as a human being? And how much innovation can we drive because of that extra time and focus that we're going to have? So I'm just overly excited for all the things that's coming. And the good thing is, I don't have to wait another 10 years for this. I think I'm going to see changes literally every year, or if not every month. Yeah. Well, Shamim, I, I want to thank you. I, I have to say this conversation not only has been inspiring, but I think everybody's going to listen, is going to learn so much from your approach, from the learnings you had, because I think this is full of possibility. It's exciting, but I think everybody is thinking about how do I approach this responsibly, but also at scale and get results for my company. And I think you gave us fantastic examples today of how to go about this. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Hyatt. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And let's, let's you know, both of us and all of us look forward to what's coming ahead. It's just, it's an exciting future for all of us. Yeah, I agree. Wholeheartedly. Thank you, Shimim. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Pivotal. 
I'd love to hear your story and your pivotal moments. So don't hesitate to follow me and share on LinkedIn. Audience information is also available in the show notes. Our show is produced by Large Media. That's L-A-R-J Media. Special thanks to Lin Yang and our partners at We Communications.